Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the United Pentecostal Church of Paris. We are so excited and grateful to have you here today. Before we get started, we have a few announcements that we're going to make about, uh, about the final weeks or upcoming events in July. The midweek life groups are now through August 10th. Those are on Wednesday night, and the women are in there, and the men are in here. And, and Sister Karonda Adams, I just got news, word from up there, not over here, that Sister Karonda Adams will be speaking this Wednesday to the women, and so that's going to be an awesome time. She is in that openly about things that you struggle with or had struggle with in your past. It's something that we all need to hear. And so I highly, highly recommend, if you have an available night on those dates, then I would recommend making your way over to Truth Church in Denison. And then our final one, our final two, is our mission pledge deadline is the 31st, so make sure to get that turned in. And then our Branson bus trip info, that is right outside, and and it's posted in the hallway. And so if you are interested and you want to inquire about that, make sure to get there. And the information is on there. Woo! There is a lot of announcements. I feel like I'm wrapping up here. There's so many words and announcements. But my goodness, isn't it great to be a part of a church that has fun and has things going on constantly? Before we get started too much, the Lord makes it easy for me some mornings when I come up here. Some mornings he wants me to just get up there and, and maybe just go with it. And the Holy Spirit always has its way. But this morning, the verse of the day made it easy on me. And it's in Romans 12, verse 1. And it says, I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. If you would, please stand with me this morning and let's present these bodies as a reasonable service and a sacrifice to God. And let's give Him everything that we can because it is our reasonable service. In Jesus' name. Saturday was silent. Surely it was through. Since when has it Disappointment is Sunday's empty tomb. Since when has impossible ever stopped true? This is the sound of dry bones rattling, and this is the praise. This is the praise, make a dead man walk again. Let's go ahead and open up that grave.
Stay right here, church. Stay right here, church. We ain't moving. We're not moving. We're not moving. Hey, I want y'all to take a look at this real quick. I want y'all to take a look at this. Y'all, y'all can see the silly smile that I had on my face and for the reason that I had it on my face. These right here. These are the prayer requests that we have. And I'm looking at them. I'm shaking. I shake it. I can't. And I'm, I'm laughing up here because I'm like, yeah, guns and bombs, that's not what we use. Because, because when Sister Chris Anders needs prayer, what good is guns and bombs going to do? What good is my opinion on religion going to do for Sister Chris Anders when she needs prayer? When Sister Kathy Boaz has COVID and she's very weak, what good is my standards and what good is my judgmental attitude going to do for her? I am very strong in our foundational beliefs. But what we need right now is some people that are going to intercede. What we need right now is some people that's going to sit down in their prayer closet. Not for fame, not for credit, not to show off how good they are, but because we need it. Because I'll be honest, y'all want me to be real, real? I'm young, I get it. I'm young, I get it. Some of y'all got some messed up backs. And so when I see this... That's a testimony because that's all you've got, and that's more than enough. And like I said, I'm young, so I haven't had all the trials that y'all have, and so y'all might can say, you know, look at him, he's a spitfire. Yeah, because I understand walking into the church this morning, I'm walking into church up the sidewalk. And I've got the devil right here. The enemy is here, but he's not too strong. And he's saying in the back of my mind, Sterling, do you remember what you were struggling with just last year? Sterling, do you remember the doubts you had with me? I'm like, no, I don't. Because you know what? I wake up in the morning and I'm dancing because of Jesus. I wake up and I give him a little bit of this and a little bit of this. And I raise my voice not too loud. Because I don't want to wake anyone. So yeah, take that world. We don't use our opinions. We don't use guns and bombs. We've seen how that turns out. We don't use our emotional thinking. We use something so much greater. We use prayer. And in that power of prayer that we have when Jesus stepped in and gave his life over to the world, he gave us the Holy Spirit. And in that we have powers that overcomes every standard demon that comes our way. Every sort of stronghold that tries to build itself in our mind. We say no thank you devil because I've tasted of his glory and I've been in the joy and I've seen the peace. So we're going to go back into this. And if all you've got is this right here, God sees it. And that's all you need. But if you've got a little bit more in the tank, I might be inclined to urge you to praise just a little bit more. 
I might be inclined to say, come on, lift those hands a little bit higher. I understand you're tired. I understand the trials you've been through. I understand the voices saying you can't do it. But let me tell you, when God got up on that cross and he wore the crown of thorns, he said, I am the king and I've overcome the world. And I don't care what it comes against me with because I've overcome it. Brother Sister John Proctor, 
How amazing was that service from him last Sunday morning? Phenomenal. Andy Watson, Brother Sister Alton Bristow, Brother Bob Bolton, Dennis Shannon, Travis Lloyd, Lois Weems, Brandon Hutchins, Norman Gilbert, Billy Bolton, Brenda Webb, Joel and Linda Peace, Walt and Andrea Irwin, Sister Chris Anders needs prayer, and Kathy Boaz. Oh, goodness. At this time, if you have any needs, I urge you to step forward towards the front, and our ministers will anoint you with oil. You can make anywhere in this place your altar, but just make an altar. The Hebrew word for altar is mizbeach. And it's derived from the root word, the Hebrew root word of zebeach, which means to slaughter. Altar is where you go to be altered by the Creator. And I don't find it, any, I don't find it coincidental at all for the root word of altar to be to slaughter. Whatever that is in your life, if you just have to, to slaughter your flesh to get up here, and so be it. Make that your altar. If you have to slaughter some thoughts in your mind to get over it and come up here and pray, then so be it. If you just have to slaughter some of your flesh and stay in your spot to intercede, then so be it. But I just urge us all to make an altar to sacrifice it all to God. To give our best to God and say, God, this is my best. And I come here not perfect at all. I come here with problems, but I'm leaving it here, God, because I understand I can't take it. And so if you have any sort of need whatsoever, or if you would like to step in for one of these people, that is more than okay. But at this time, our ministers will anoint you with oil if you'd like to do so. Jesus, Lord, let us make some altars for you, God. To let us bring whatever we have, God. Jesus, whatever sort of need, Lord, I understand the miracle working God that we serve. And the same God that provided for Abraham is going to be the same God that provides for us. In Jesus' name, I plead the blood of Jesus over every single one of these needs and over every single unspoken need in our community, God. In Jesus' name.
Cheers.
have your prayer today. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm in no rush, God. I'm not turning back now. If I move without you, it's in vain. I'm not turning back now. No, no. I'm not turning back now. show up. That means I have to align myself where I know that the meeting is going to take place. And then whenever I wait for somebody, I look. I look for them to arrive. I'll check the window to see when they pull up. I am making myself available to where they are going to be. And then I look for them to show up. So what that means right here is what you're doing is you're aligning yourself with God. That you're in the place where you know He is going to be. And that is in your worship. And you're lifting your eyes to the hills where your help comes from and saying, God, the second that you move, the second that your glory is revealed, I am coming out of my darkness and into your marvelous light. And today he is ready to bring somebody out. Today he is ready to bring you into what you have been looking for because he is ready for you to be where he is wanting you to be. In Jesus' name, if our ushers could come, we're going to take our tithes and our offering. Praise God. Our youth was blessed to be able to go to TYC this past weekend. And we had a phenomenal, phenomenal time. We experienced God. And I want to thank everybody that made it possible for these kids to be able to go. And I want to thank every parent that had to do with raising these kids because they are I brag every time because until they stop being good, I'll keep saying it. Some of y'all got a little questionable. I'm not going to lie. No, I'm just kidding. But they were so well behaved, so sensitive to the spirit. And there's, there's not many, if any, youth groups that can out-worship our youth group. I will say that. And so I am grateful for a youth group that is passionate, that is moving forward, and that is going to be used 
for the kingdom of God. And so we're going to take this tithe and this offering. Yes. So, our van rental did fall through, and we weren't able to get a van rental that we were wanting, and so we had to scounge together within about 24-hour notice a bus driver that would want to sacrifice his entire weekend to drive some rowdy kids to Lufkin and back, and Brother Ronnie Bolton and Sister Joanne Bolton happily did. And I don't believe they were in here at the time. They were not. And, but we, uh, we really want to... When you, when you walk by them, just, just say thank you uh, because we are grateful. They did, and they did buy uh, every for one of the restaurants. They bought the entire youth group and all of ours meal. And so I know that was, that was really, that meant a lot to all of us. Yes. So they, were, they really did a great job, and they seemed to really enjoy it. And so we're going to take our tithe and our offering. Father, I thank you for the spirit that we have felt in this place. I thank you for what you are going to do. And, Lord, I pray that we are sensitive to it. I pray that we are sensitive and that we are good soil, God, that you can plant a seed in your word in our heart, God, and produce. And, Lord, I pray that you bless what's given today. And that you bless the giver and you anoint the word in the ministry today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
be seated except those that have been here for 25 years or longer. Yeah, it, you qualify if you've been here 25 years or longer. I'd like for you to stand. Brother Bob. You plus some of the newer people that came in after the 25 years have helped raise these people up here that just led us in worship and in praise. Thank you. You can be seated. You need to know your prayers are never in vain. Your monies have never been in vain. And the vision and the future of this assembly is secure because they are following paths of power, holiness, godliness, righteousness, and I just thrill at how many of our young people went to the recent youth convention and not only was there, they gleaned and enjoyed being in the presence of strong preaching, teaching, and an atmosphere that can help stay America and a world. And so what you're a part of today, whether you came in earlier or have been here way before I got here, not too many been here longer than I've been here. We've sent a good crew on to the holy city, I'll tell you that. Over 200 people, according to my records, have left here since the last 39 years. And uh, so today we not only stay, but we are launching new weapons of power. The Bible said these children are living letters known and read of all men. The force is phenomenal of your dollars, your prayers, your attendance and then we have had wonderful ministries to come in that have helped to amplify all of that and today we celebrate brother and sister Mark Foster who have championed scores of helps writings ministry and their presence across the United States and other countries, pastoring a church that absolutely has captivated the attention of West Monroe, Monroe, Twin Cities, having led many things in the United Pentecostal Church International and in local churches, having started a home mission work in just the countless things that this ministry brings to us in the way of wealth of wisdom and spiritual energy. Sister Foster, could you maybe, if I give you a microphone, she has had a little incident, and so she's not as crippled as she looks. I'll get you later. <laughs> That's what you can say to friends of over 51 years, you know. 
It's wonderful and really an honor to be here this morning uh, with Brother and Sister Meyer. These are longtime friends, and I told Sister Meyer as I looked up there on the platform and all of her grandkids up there, said it just brought tears to my eyes. And what, you know what, that's what we live for is to see the next generation continue on what we've fought for and what we've lived for and been happy doing. And it's just wonderful being here at this wonderful church. And thank you for being the lighthouse that you are to Paris and to this surrounding community. That's what God intends for his people to be as a lighthouse. I don't want to hide my light under a bushel. I want to stand out and let the world know that I love Jesus and I'm not ashamed of him. He's been so good to me. I can't even begin to tell you how good he's been. Kept his hand on me through a lot of things. And I'm just so happy and thankful to be here. Yes, I had an accident. I was moving really fast in my house. My house shoes stopped, but I kept going. And I tore my rotator cuff in a couple of places in my bicep. But the Lord is good, and I'm going to get... I'm going to get through it, so just don't come grab me and hug me <laughs> because I don't know what I'd do if you did. <laughs> God bless you. We love all of you and just so honored and happy to be here. And happy birthday to Pastor Meyer. Love you. On the way up here, we've traveled together a lot. I don't know that we've walked in tandem to this pulpit. But this journey has, uh, you know, he and I used to be poor. We had to share a motel room to get to conference, Florida, what, 71, 72. We both have memory loss. What a strength he has been to me and his leadership and different levels have been so inspiring. And I bring to you a man that cares about what God thinks and where you live. Why don't we stand and give it up to Jesus right now? Let me interrupt and tell my wife's brother and sister-in-law are here. And I am so sorry I overlooked. How could I overlook such big, I mean, great people. All right. God bless you. You may be seated. And Bubba and Frida, it is good to see y'all. We go back with Bubba a long ways, too. That's right. And uh, so great to see them. And what an honor it is for Paula and I uh, to be here with you folks today and to be here with our lifetime friends, the Myers. Great people of God, I don't have to tell you this. Uh, they, they, they are wonderful, wonderful people. They love God. And, it, you know, our life needs to be two things. It needs to be all about reaching up to God and reaching out to others. And that's exactly what the Myers are. They reach up to God. They reach out to others. 
This man is a great pastor, preacher, leader, and God uses him and Sister Meyer in such a tremendous way. I, I remember, oh, 41 years ago maybe, uh, we were in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, just getting started, and they brought a busload of people from Circleville, Ohio, and came and uh, worked our city, and and he preached us a revival, and uh, I mean, we, we it was just wonderful, and it helped us uh, get a start there. Uh, we recounted last night after the leadership meeting, we we recounted several stories uh, with with some of the grandkids. You, you know, I, I love this family. I love their grands. We've enjoyed being with them. Enjoyed being with uh, Kyron and Darren. We we just we've been having a good time. And uh, I do think I, I I got to looking around. I wondered what was going on because they have fed us so well. I, I wondered if they were fattening me up for the kill, but. Uh, but uh, I, I am going to leave here probably a, a little heavier than I came. And, uh, but I appreciate them so much. And you, you cannot make new old friends. And so I just thank God for them. Thank God for this church, this beautiful worship center, these phenomenal facilities, this great campus. Look what the Lord has done. 39 years y'all been here. That's awesome. That is absolutely awesome, their leadership in this church, their leadership in this community, uh, in, in, in the district. I mean, it's just phenomenal. I love the way they have a passion, not just for this church, but for this community. And they're reaching out. And I think that's absolutely beautiful. Uh, my sweetheart, she testified, uh, this pretty girl with her arm in a sling sitting on the second row. And, uh, but... But she has been following me around, folks, for 51 years. And we're not really that old. I married her when we were five. That's my story, and I'm sticking with it. But uh, how we love these people and how blessed you are to have them as your pastor, spiritual leader. And uh, so, so we just uh, thank God for the friendship, the blessing they have been in our lives through the years. Uh, I want to just talk to you today for a few moments. And I do want to say to Pastor Meyer, happy, happy, happy birthday. Amen. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. I just want to talk to you for a few moments this morning, and I just want to call this simply, what if? Just look at somebody and say, what if? Now look at your second choice and say, just what if? So what if we simply did what's right? I, I think of uh, this pretty girl over here. When I first met her, I did not know 
that she didn't like redheads, cowboys, or country music. And I was all the above. I'm trying to accommodate her on the red hair right now. Of course, what I'm glad is that she got to like a particular redhead, a particular cowboy, and she got to liking country music too. But I think of, of what my life would have been, and I'm not going to take the time. to. Uh, that may be for another time, but there's a real story there that maybe we'll go into another time. But what would my life have been if, if what, what, what if I hadn't have asked her to marry me? What would I be today? It's kind of like, kind of, it would probably be kind of like uh, George H.W. Bush, the first George Bush. All right. They were back in Midland, Odessa, and uh, somebody was driving them uh, around the countryside. And they were recounting old memories, and and President Bush uh, looked and said, "Hey, that, that that's where so and so. That's his service station there." And and said, "Barbara, you used to date him." Said, "Just think, if you had married him, your husband would have been the oh, you'd have been the wife." Of, of a service station owner. She said, oh, no, no, no. If I'd have married him, he would have been the president of the United States. <laughs> Somebody said this. What if this dream that I can see could change how things are to how they could be? Two letters, that's all. If takes a chance, risks a fall. Others say, Why? If answers, why not? Uh, dares to take action. If starts with a thought. One little if in one little me to fight the current to swim upstream. If doesn't ask when. If says now. From here to there. If is the how. If starts sooner, stays longer, keeps the faith, gets back up, goes to work, sets the pace. So now I'll start. I'll begin. Without the start, there'd be no win. If counts the cost, a price to pay. Seize the potential, then seizes the day. If today, then tomorrow. Show something for the breath you borrow. Take a leap, uh, just a step, growing old without regret. Tell me now, what's your what if? Uh, what will it take to scale the cliff? Uh, you have the vision, make it come true. Sometimes that what if is you. In the end, it goes to show there's no telling what one if can grow. Finish what you start. Uh, then time has come to dream again. Who knows what a day will bring? What if this changes everything? And so I'm preaching to somebody today. There is a what if in your mind somewhere. And God is saying, what if you just step out? What if you do something on your job? What if you just be decide to become what I want you to become and what you want to become? 
On August the 15th, 1987, a man named Howard Schultz was faced with the toughest decision of his life. Whether or not to buy a small chain of coffee houses with a very strange name, Starbucks. Now, doesn't seem strange today. But it was strange back then because hardly anybody had heard about it. Uh, knowing what we know now, it's a no-brainer. But to Schultz, the $3.8 million price tag felt like the case of the tadpole trying to swallow the, the whale. And in his memoir, Pour Your Heart Into It, the architect behind Starbucks uh, uh, reflects on his what-if moment. And here's what he said. This is my moment, I thought, if I don't seize the opportunity, if I don't step out of my comfort zone and risk it all, if I let too much time tick on, my moment will pass. I knew that if I didn't take advantage of this opportunity, I would replay it in my mind for my whole life, wondering, what if? Howard Schultz made the defining decision, watch this close, to give up his $75,000 a year salary to pursue his passion for all things coffee. Starbucks stock went public five years later on June 26, 1992, and it was the second most actively traded stock on the NASDAQ that day, and by the closing bell, its market capitalization stood at $273 million. Not bad for a $3.8 million investment by a $75,000 a year man. And today, they have over 33,000 stores in 76 countries with revenue topping $24 billion and over 350,000 employees. By conservative estimates, Starbucks sold last year over 4 billion cups of coffee, not to mention the other 87,000 possible drink combinations. And every sip of every drink started with what if? So I'm declaring to somebody under the sound of my voice today that what if can change your life? What if can change the sequence of your family? What if can can be the catalyst to send your family the right direction? One of my favorite poems that I, I grasped a hold of as a teenager, If, by Rudyard Kipling, if you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too, if you can wait and not be tired by waiting or being lied about, don't deal in lies. Are being hated, don't give way to hating, and yet don't look too good nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, 
If you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. If you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools. Or watch the things you gave your life to broken and stoop and build them up with worn out tools. If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve you long after they're gone and so hold on when there is nothing left in you except the will which says, hold on. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue or walk with kings nor lose the common touch, if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you but none, too much. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it. And which is more, you'll be a man, my son. If a little word that is so big, fortunes have turned on the word if. Uh, destinies have turned on the question, what if? Uh, I think of a little lady from yesteryear by the name of Rosa Parks in Montgomery, Alabama that said, what if uh, I won't sit on the back of the bus? Uh, Martin Luther King lived, breathed, and passionately pursued his what if. He didn't miss his moment. He didn't miss his what if. And Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks' what if literally changed the world. I think of a decision that my that a couple made that were to be my mother and dad some 75 years ago. And it changed the destiny of their unborn children. And here I am today because uh, they said, what if we really live for God? What if uh, we give it everything we've got? Uh, One little if will change the sequence of your life. Uh, Life is simply the sum total of choices and decisions. I still chaplain a prolific football team in West Monroe, Louisiana, high school team, uh, won many state championships, and I'm going into my 15th or 16th year, I can't remember which one, speaking to them on Fridays uh, at their pre game meal. I've got 15 minutes to speak to them. And one thing I tell them every Friday, I tell them that their life is simply made up of the sum total of choices and decisions, either good or bad, and they all have consequences. I'm preaching to somebody today that has not made that decision yet. I'm preaching to somebody that there's a nagging, gnawing what if in the back of your mind. And I I'm preaching to somebody that it's time to step up today and make that decision and say I'm going to bring the what if uh, that's in my heart that God has dropped in my heart and I'm going to make the right decision. Life uh, 
is a game of inches. And I'm preaching to somebody today that's only one if away from an alternate reality. What if I start really praying? And what if instead of praying for the answer, I pray, God, I'm asking you to make me the answer. God, make me somebody's answer today. God, use me today to reach this city, to reach this family. God, use me today to turn the destiny of my family. God, I need you today. What if you share your testimony? What if you tell your story? What if you go back to college? What if you just go ahead and start that business? What if you step out on faith? So today I'm asking, what is your what if? There are 1,784 ifs in this book. And my favorite Bible if is Romans 8 and 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? I'm preaching to somebody today that God is for you. The enemy tries to tell us that God is against us. But John 8, 44 says the devil is a liar and he's the father of lies. I'm preaching to somebody God's for you. God's with you. He's walking right beside you. God's got his hand in your hand. And it's time for you to step on out right now. God is for me and that's all I need to know. Romans 5 and 8. But God commendeth his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm declaring that even when you were against God, even when I was against God, God was for us. What if... Pastor and Sister Meyer, some 39 years ago, said, no, we're not going to Paris. Uh, They thought they were at their life work in Circleville, Ohio. They didn't think they would ever leave. Uh, But you know what? Uh, They stepped into their what if. uh, And they said, God, this is the door you've opened. This is what you said. What if we go ahead and go to Texas? Uh, And look what the Lord has done. There's some of you that wouldn't be here today. But God has blessed their what if. And they walked into it. And so I want to help you all today with your what if. And there's three astounding statements that God made. In Isaiah chapter 43, that's going to help us all with our what if. So I want you to watch this close. Number one, in Isaiah 43 and 15, God said, hey, I've got this. Now, he didn't say it quite like that. All right, that's the book of Foster. But here's the way he said it in Isaiah 43, 15. He said, I am the Lord, your Holy One. 
the creator of Israel, your king. And so before he made a promise, God declared to us his ultimate title, I am. And then he went on and followed that up with, I am the Lord. I am the Holy One. I am your creator and I am your king. I'm preaching to somebody. He's your Lord. He's your Holy One. He's your creator. He is your king. And I'm declaring that he is well able. Wherever you are in life, whatever valley you're walking through, whatever mountain you're climbing today, he is well able. He's going to help you out of that valley. He's going to help you over that mountain. He's going to answer that prayer in your family and on your job. God here is giving his resume first, his qualifications. And he says, I am your I am. And so what is your what if that you need to believe God for today? He said in in, in, uh, Hebrews 13 and 5, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I'll never forget coming home to that little trailer. It was 1981. Come into that little trailer that had bullet holes in it. And uh, when we bought it, paint was peeling to the bare metal. Screens were dangling, but it was cheap. just arrived in Winston-Salem. Brother Meyer's father, Brother Hewlin Meyer, had inspired my faith that we could do this. That we could walk into our what if and that God would bless it if we would just step in on faith to our what if. And he had given us an offering. And we used that offering to help buy that little ragged, piece of a trailer in fact the lady required we I knew I was going to do a little bit of traveling and and the, the I wanted my family to be in a safe place so I found the nicest trailer park in the whole city and I went put a deposit down she said now we've got to have a picture of your mobile home. I was buying a trailer, but they they called it a mobile home. Well, they wouldn't have called mine a mobile home. And so so I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't show her a picture. And I was going to try to slip in because I had to have somewhere to scrape that paler that trailer and paint it. I had to have somewhere to get the work done. And so finally, the day before we were to move in, I, I, was, I was in there and she finding out our, our, our space where we were going to uh, park that thing. And she said, now, now, Reverend Foster, you understand, you, I've got to see a picture of this before. I said, okay. I went out to the car and brought a picture in. She looked. And immediately she reached down into her desk and pulled a cash box out, said on the desk, she said, this will never work. I'm giving your money back. You're not moving that in my mobile home park. And I threw myself at her mercy. And I said, listen, I'm walking into my what if. I 
I need this. You, you don't understand. God called me to this city. God sent me here. If you'll give me seven days, I will have this looking as good as any mobile home in your park. I lied. <laughs> but God did something to her. And she put the money back in the box and she put it back in the drawer and she said, I don't know why I'm doing this. I've never done this before. But you've got seven days from tomorrow or I'm calling the moving trucks. And you know what? We got the job done. So I was out. I'd been teaching Bible studies all day. Uh, I, I had left the house before the boys went to school and, and now was coming back that evening and they were playing outside in the yard and I stepped up on that little, that little porch, little wooden porch, walked inside and in that little trailer with bullet holes, Paula was setting our fine china that we'd gotten 10 years earlier for a wedding gift on the table. She had never put that out in that little trailer. And I wondered, what is the special occasion? And then she put a little dish in one of those fine china bowls of of carrots, a little dish of hominy, and a little dish of green beans. And then she said, Mark, call the boys. We're ready to eat. Well, I looked. I was standing in that little kitchen. I looked at the table. And I looked on the stove. There's nothing on the stove. I opened the oven and I looked in the oven. There's nothing in the oven. And she says, go ahead, call the boys. We're ready to eat. I said, baby, baby, where's the, where, where, where's the beef? Or the chicken or the fish or anything. And little tears started coming down her pretty little face. And she said, Mark, she said, that's all. This is all we've got in the house. She said, we don't have any bread in the pantry. We don't have any cereal. We don't have any milk in the fridge. This is the last three cans, the last food we have in the house. And she said, we'll send our boys to school with no breakfast in the morning. Then she grabbed my hand and she said, don't you worry though. God's got this and God's got us. And he's called us. He's going to keep us and we're going to make it. And we raised our hands and we praised God right then. And so I went outside and I called the boys in and we sat down and they were too young to know any better. And uh, they ate a little bit. We put them to bed. And one of the real miracles of it all is they weren't hungry when they got up the next morning. Wow. And so we sent them to school with no food. I went off to the office at that little church uh, hoping that the phone was not going to ring and it was going to be social services or somebody from the school wondering why we didn't feed our kids. The phone did ring at 10 and I said, Heaven View. And it was my sweetheart on the other end. And she was just bubbling. She said, Mark, uh, come home quick. Uh, said, I just 
went to the mailbox and said somebody that we don't even know said God moved on them to send us a $50 check said come get me let's go cash it and buy groceries I'm telling you, God's got this. It doesn't matter what your what if is. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life, in your family, on your job, in your school. God's got this. And then the second thing that God said, number two, number one, he said, hey, I've got this. Number two, he said, hey. I've done this before. Now let's see how he really said it. That's, that's the foster version. All right, verse 16. Thus saith the Lord, watch this close, who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters. God is reminding somebody here today that he makes a path through the impassable. He makes a way through the impossible. It doesn't matter what you're facing in your life. My God is the way maker. My God is the miracle worker and he's in this house to do something for you. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the question is, do you believe? Do you believe that God can do it? When we rolled into Winston-Salem, it was February, and we, uh, we rolled out, Paula rolled out pallets on the floor in that little office. Had a little space heater we plugged in, electric heater. It was, it was cold. And we spent a night or two on, on the floor of that office before one of the little families that was there invited us to stay with them till we could get that trailer ready. And so we, I went to, the, went to the mailbox ten days in a row there except Sunday when the mail didn't run. And without fail, every day, Pastor, when I went to the mailbox... There was letters and bills to the church from lawyers and collection agencies. And it was bad. They were considering foreclosing on the church. The bank was because I couldn't write a church check even. And I got a phone call that week that said they were coming to repossess the pews. I threw myself on their mercy. The lady said, sir, it's seven months behind on the payments and, and you've, got, you've got a payment due, so you really, you owe for eight months. And we can't, we won't, we, we won't accept anything except full payment for eight months. So I threw myself on her mercy, I told her again, God's called me. We walked into our what if. L- listen, I'm a new pastor. And you know what? She had mercy. And she said, you know what we'll do? I'm, I'm going to take those seven, seven payments and I'm going to tack them on the end. You said all you can send is one and you'll send it today. Send it and make a believer out of me. And that's exactly what we did. And when we enlarged and remodeled, we bought pews from them again. But ten days in... I found out, well, a man came and he brought the bills of the church. And they were in a large brown paper sack. 
And he dumped that bag out. And those bills on that little metal desk looked like they were mountain. And he walked out. And I sat there and I was discouraged. And the devil had jumped on my shoulder. And the sad thing is I was listening to him. And he said, preacher man, get your family and get out of town. You got enough revivals to last three years if nobody else asked you. Get out of town or everybody's going to know that old Mark's a failure. And I was listening. About that time, the door creaked open outside. And normally, you know, some folks say that I'm a little wired. Where would they get that from, Pastor? And normally I would have jumped up and ran out there to see who it was. But Paula and I were discouraged. And she was sitting across that desk in a little chair. And so I just didn't even look up. And about that time, I felt his presence. I could hear his stumbling steps. And I felt his presence. And I looked up. And, 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 and he, was, he was trying to find me with his finger. And it was, it was immediately obvious that he was highly inebriated. He was drunk. And he said, preacher, he said, God sent me. I looked up. Really, God? Thanks a lot, God. I said that in my mind. And, and about that time, he anchored himself on the, on the doorpost. He steadied himself, and he found me. And he said, Preacher, God sent me, and God sent me with a message for you. And all of a sudden, he was stone cold sober. And he said, God sent me and God told me to tell you that he sent you to this city. He's called you here. It doesn't matter how bad it is. He's got you. He's going to keep you. He's done this before. This is your city. He's putting it in your hand. And don't you think about leaving. And then he kind of straightened up and he was drunk again. He took a couple of steps backwards and finally found his way out. And on the way out, he said, pray for me, preacher. But what I'm telling you, is anybody hearing me? Discouragement is spiritual amnesia. We lose faith because we forget about the faithfulness of God. I'm preaching to somebody. You've not been anywhere that God's not already been. You're not going through anything that God's not already delivered somebody from. I'm preaching to you that God knows where you are. And we were able to build a great church there, Brother Meyer. Harold Linder pastors it today, Heaven View, and it is one of the top global missions giving churches in the United Pentecostal Church. I'm telling you, my God is able. It doesn't matter what you're facing today. My God is able. And number three, number three, God says, hey! I'm going to do something new and powerful through you. Now, that's the foster version. Let's see what the way God said it. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. 
Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? And I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God knows exactly where you are. Uh, Brother Meyer, I'll never forget. (coughs) Pardon me. Going to West Monroe, the church my dad had pastored for so long. I took Paula there as a new bride. We were there six and a half years assisting my dad. Then we left for 21 years. And then... When upon his retirement, they asked if, if, if we would feel it in the, in the Holy Ghost to come back. And they elected his pastor. And we went in. And we were in a, in a terrible neighborhood at that time. Church had been there a long time. And, uh, and we needed to move. And, and so dad, dad told me, Mark, one of the first things you got to do is move this church out on the interstate. And you know what, folks? God helped us. Uh, we, we, the church already owned 11.3 acres. We were able to buy uh, was uh, 17 more acres. Uh, no, yeah, 17 more acres we were able to buy for $250,000 right there on the interstate. And then another family donated acreage that brought us up to over 33 acres. Uh, and we were able to relocate that church. We were able to build three buildings, 81,000 square feet on on uh, 33 acres, $7.5 million, and it's become a landmark in northeast Louisiana. And that church is influential not just in our city, but across our state. It was impossible. There was no way. But I'm going to tell you, look what the Lord has done. I'm preaching to somebody. God knows your impossibility. He knows where you are. It's time right now to say this uh, is what I'm going to do. What is your what if? It's time for somebody to step out on your what if and let God use you. Jeremiah 1 and 7 but the Lord said to me you see there's some things that you have got to quit saying. There's some what ifs that you've got to quit Verbalizing. But the Lord said to me, Say not, I'm a child. For Jeremiah, thou shalt go to all that I send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. So the Lord is saying, Jeremiah, it's time to quit dealing in the negative what ifs, the wrong what ifs. What if I had done this? What if I had done that? What if I'd made the right decision? I challenge that thought in your mind today. That is wrong thinking. But it's time today to say God's put a new what if there. And I'm going to step in to the positive, faith-filled what if. Uh, It's time to look at life through the windshield and quit looking through the rearview mirror. There is a reason the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror. It doesn't matter what's gone on in your past. It doesn't matter how many times you've failed and fallen. God is giving you a brand new chance uh, today. Our musicians are coming. By the way, what a phenomenal worship team today. Go ahead. Oh my. Fantastic. In the 1990 NBA season, 
Michael Jordan dropped 69 points one night on the Cleveland Cavaliers. A reporter asked his teammate, Stacy King, how he would remember Michael Jordan's performance. You've got to understand that Stacy King was just a role player, albeit a role player with a sense of humor, we're going to find out. Uh, he watched most of the game from the bench. He would get into the game on occasion. And that night he scored only one point, and that's what makes his statement an instant classic. Uh, for here's what he said. All I can say is this is the game that I will always remember that Michael Jordan and I combined to score 70 points. And Stacy King rode Michael Jordan's coattails all the way to the NBA championship, not just once, not just twice, but three times. And Stacy King today has three rings. Why did you say that? I'm saying that because without God, I'm nothing. But with God, I'm absolutely everything because He's everything. I'm preaching to somebody right now. Now, one plus God is a major majority, and you and God are going to make things happen. Yes, and I'm riding God's coattails today. Why don't we stand together? And so, God plus one is more than a majority. And I'm preaching to somebody that God is on your side. And I believe. Two words are going to help change somebody's life this morning. What if? And so today, if you have a spiritual need, if you need the Holy Ghost, if you need to be refilled with the Holy Ghost, if, if, you, if you need to just draw closer to God, if you need to be baptized. So number one, if you have a spiritual need, Number two, if you have an emotional need, if there's something in your life uh, from last year, from 10 years ago, from 40 years ago, that happened to you that you've not been able to get over, you've not been able to get through it, uh, it keeps looming back. If you have, number one, if you have a spiritual need. Number two, if you have a uh, an emotional need. Number three, if you have a relational need with a spouse, with a child, with a parent, with a family member, with somebody on the job, with a neighbor, with a friend. Number four, if you have a physical need in your body. And number five, if you have a financial need. And those five things cover everything. So number one, if you have a, if, if you have a spiritual need. Number two, if you have an emotional need. Number three, if you have a relational need. Number four, if you have a physical need. And number five, if you have a financial need. If you have any need at all, I want you to step out. And I want you to come down here. And I want you to stand here. And I want you to give it to Jesus.
step into your what if. Step on out and come down here right now. Our God is here. He's doing a powerful thing. I want the prayer team to come help us pray. And I want us to pray all over the building. Lift your hands right now. Our God is in this place right now. God's doing a powerful thing. He's here to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost. He's here to supply somebody's need. He knows exactly where you are. Oh yeah, let's reach on out. Somebody come help us pray right now. I will trust the one who's greater than the storm. Trust the one who's greater than the storm. I don't need another reason. I don't need more confessing. The same God who made a way is the same God who's here today. Even in my darkest moment, this will be the truth I'm holding. The same God who made a way is the same God who's here today. I don't need another reason. I don't need more convincing. The same God who made a way is the same God who's here today. Even in my darkest moments, this will be the truth I'm holding. The same God who made a way is the same God who's here today. I don't need another reason. I don't need more Yeah.